Royal Stanley of Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors, offering securities through United Planner Financial Services. Member FINRA SIPC shares his planning approach to help people toward a place where they may be at peace regarding their financial goals. In this dynamic podcast, Royal will share his insights on how to design a retirement plan to help you plan for your future. Now on to the show. Hello and welcome to Life by Design with Royal Stanley of Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors. Good morning, Royal. How you doing, man? Doing well. Doing well. You know, excited to be here today. Uh, it's a beautiful rainy day here in Southern Oregon, so uh, nice to be inside and have something to do here. I love the rain, and it's raining here as well. Uh, a little bit of drizzle, not not too bad. But man, I just I'm I'm from the Pacific Northwest, just like you, and I just love rain. I'm sorry, I, I don't know about how other people feel about it, but man, I love it. So. Yeah, if you're going to grow up in the Pacific Northwest or live here for any considerable amount of time, <laughs> you really have to at least uh, enjoy or appreciate the rain uh, a little yeah. bit. Otherwise, uh, it's just miserable. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think that, that the people that enjoy it, like me, that we're a little bit crazy. Uh, you know, I'll go out and play in the rain. I love that. And I think the other half that enjoy it, they enjoy it because they know it brings the beauty and the green yep. that is just everywhere and all the flowers and uh, my, my parents owned a rhododendron farm, you know, so I know that oh, you wow. probably have rhododendrons all over the place in your area. They just thrive there, you know, and so, and they're, they're just gorgeous. So I wish we could get those here in Nebraska. You just can't grow rhododendrons. It's just too cold in the wintertime and it kills them all off. So no bueno. Yeah. But you know, <laughs> the green is nice. Well, that's your fault for living in Nebraska. It is. It really is. So <laughs> let's move on. Shall we Royal? <clears throat> what are we talking Perfect. about besides Perfect. the fact that I chose the wrong state to live in at this point? <laughs> Well, I thought what we would do today is kind of shift our focus a little bit uh, and really do a podcast, I think, to to somewhat of a specific audience, and that is uh, to business owners and plan sponsors of retirement plans. Okay. There's a lot of different types of retirement plans out there. There's a, there's a lot of different options if you own a business. I just wanted to take some time and go over some of those things, talk about it, hopefully uh, educate some, some people and what those different options are and kind of maybe what, what some of the uh, the terms mean and let people walk away with more understanding there in really what is, I think, one of the uh, great drivers in this country of building wealth, which mm-hmm. is the 401k and and other types of retirement plans. Yeah. And we've talked about some retirement plans before on previous podcasts. So is there a a different type of focus for today as far as within these retirement plans? Uh, I think it's really just getting into the nitty gritty of the different types of retirement plans and then talking about all the different features there that if you're a business owner or a plan sponsor that's either looking to set up a plan or, you know, looking to kind of do that uh, reevaluation you should do every few years on your retirement plan. Uh, you just want to kind of kind of get your hands around uh, all these different terms and, and what, what these basic options are. So you can mm-hmm. sit down and, you know, sit down with a, a professional and really go through what the, those options might be for you going forward. Yeah, I, I remember us talking about uh, the, the basic stuff early. So it's nice to dive into this. And I remember sharing with you that my first job at, you know, career type job at 22, I think, or the the first company that actually offered me a 401k, there was no explanation. It was all of us sitting at around a table. Somebody kind of told us what a 401k was. Here's how you sign up. And there are three categories you can choose from, higher risk, medium risk, low risk, pick one. (laughs) 
that was it. So <laughs> it's really nice to have the option and the opportunity to speak to a professional about it. And of course, I'm going to encourage everybody listening to this. When you are facing one of these types of plans, please, please, please consult a professional. Don't leave it up to the HR person. No offense to them. They do good work in a lot of different areas, but there are professionals that deal with these like Royal all the time and they can answer the deep, dark questions. So Royal, I'm ready to learn more. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. I, I think that I hear that story over and over again of, mm-hmm. yeah, the guy came in, he said, you know, here's your options and, and good luck to you. Yeah. And <laughs> then we never saw him again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, in my mind, it really comes down to, uh, there, there's two basic types of retirement plans. First of all, there's the defined contribution plan, uh, which is really the most common type of plan that we see nowadays. And then there's defined benefit plans. Defined benefit plans were really the dominant type of retirement plan 50 years ago. And -hmm. when you say defined benefit, you're really talking in most cases about a pension type plan. Yeah. I was going to ask you if that's what that meant. Exactly. Exactly. So the benefit part is is what's defined. You're going to work for a company for X number of years. You're going to make this much money. And when you retire, you're going to get, you know, X dollars per month. Uh, you know, for the rest of your life or for a specified period of time. So that's where that defined benefit comes in is you're, you're signing up for a plan that's going to give you a benefit down the road. The defined contribution plan really isn't necessarily worried about uh, what it's going to look like at the end when you retire, but is instead designed to help you contribute money into the plan and allow that to grow over time. And really not too worried about what that number is when you retire. That's all going to be based on the decisions you make of how much you save, how much you contribute, and then how much risk and uh, kind of fi- financial expertise you bring to that account uh, to have that grow over you know whatever time period you have left to save for retirement. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you a quick question, Royal. With a 401k, and I'll use that because that's a defined contribution plan. That's the one most people know, either a 401k or 403b. Those can obviously be affected by the market. And that's something that we've talked about before. And during this time right now, the time we're in, we know the market has been incredibly turbulent and down and up and down and and more down. And those are affected by that. But Mm -hmm. I've never really heard of a 401k failing where I have heard of pension plans failing. Is that, are those still possibilities with pension plans that still exist? Is it possible that those could fail because the company fails or are those protected better than they were? Um, there, there are better protections with pension plans. And when we talk about a pension plan failing, because they've defined a benefit out there for the future for their, their workers and their participants, when we talk about a pension plan failing, what, it, what that really means is, is they're not going to be able to deliver those promised benefits to workers mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. that they promised, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago. Uh, and so when that happens, that's usually because, uh, number one, the company goes out of business and just isn't able to continue on making contributions to the plan like they originally intended to. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes what we'll see, and if you have a, a, a defined benefit plan, sometimes you'll get a statement saying how much of your benefit is funded. And usually that's as a, as a percentage. They'll mm-hmm. say the XYZ uh, company, their pension plan is funded up to you know 96%, meaning that they have 96% of their money that they're going to need 
inside of that plan. So that's a, that's a fairly well-run plan. You know, you might even see one in a hundred or a little over that, something that's overfunded. You know, where it gets scary is, you know, well, we're, we, we've only got 80% in there for mm-hmm. future retirees. You know, something like that is, you know, something that you want to be uh, a little bit more concerned about, maybe start paying a little bit more attention to what the company's doing to rectify that. Yeah, that's a great point. Royal, it sounds to me like somebody needs to be paying attention, obviously, and looking at what that percentage is. And if it's low, there there have to be other options or there, there should be some other options that they're thinking about. Maybe they start an IRA or a Roth IRA. Is that probably a good idea to, to make sure that they're supplementing what's happening in case something happens with that pension plan? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that, that's part, part of what we do as financial planners of uh, looking yeah. at all of your different retirement accounts and saying, okay, well, you know, there, there, there might be a chance that this one might be a little shaky down the road. Mm-hmm. The, the real issue there is, is if you've already reached retirement uh, and yes. you don't have that ability, then it gets into some, some tougher questions of, um, you know, what do we spend in the off chance that this doesn't work out? How do we make those lifestyle adjustments? So that's really where sitting down with a financial planner can really help because we can kind of evaluate all those options uh, and really look at. Uh, if I pull this lever versus l- this lever, uh, what's going to happen down the road? Yeah, fantastic. Today, I thought we would just kind of really probably focus on defined contribution plans. Uh, they really are the most common, you know, no, unless it's a very specialized company or specialized situation, you're not really looking at setting up a defined benefit plan anymore. There's just not mm-hmm. that many pensions out there. Now, uh, if for some specialized uh, doctor practices, maybe attorney groups, uh, there is an excellent defined benefit plan called the cash balance plan uh, that we we can look at for those specialized uh, clients. But uh, for most business owners, you're probably looking at a 401k plan or if you're a a nonprofit, maybe a 403b plan. So we're going to spend the rest of today focusing on those. Uh, just to give plan sponsors, uh, those business owners who are looking at or have already set up a 401k plan, that education that they need to be better equipped to make these decisions. Mm-hmm. All right. In my mind, there, there there's benefits on kind of both sides of this equation, both for the business owner and the business to set up a 401k plan. And there's giant benefits there for the employees as well. You know, one of the biggest things I, I see over and over again is if you don't have a retirement plan, it's tough to, you know, retain your workers. It's mm-hmm. tough to recruit new workers, especially if you're, you know, in a professional environment um, or there's a lot of demand there. A 401k is a great incentive there. And if it's between, you know, your company and a company that, you know, doesn't offer a 401k plan, you know, you're going to have a little bit more cachet with that uh, uh, employee who's going to want to look for that added benefit package. Mm-hmm. Having a 401k plan with a profit sharing option is also a great way of being able to reward your employers after, you know, a great year. Uh, it's a great way of incentivizing employees uh, and giving them a little piece of or a little sense of ownership there that they're able to to profit on, on top of their normal salary in the the positive outcomes for the company. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, ultimately what we see here is uh, there is a giant benefit for the owner of the company to set up a 401k plan just in the sense of uh, if it's 
structured properly, they can put a lot of money into the uh, retirement plan and uh, save quite a bit on taxes. All right. Well, what about the employees, though? So for the employees, the employees are going to get access to uh, a very high limit tax advantaged account where they can defer really quite a bit of money into a retirement account. Most uh, 401k plans also offer some type of employer match, uh, which, you know, we like to call the free money, um, mm-hmm. or it might offer profit sharing contributions as well. And, and honestly, most 401k platforms, if they're structured correctly with, with a, a good investment company, um, they're, they're pretty easy to use. They're pretty seamless. Um, and oftentimes they'll have features there that, uh, will make it very easy for employees to start saving, such as auto enrollment, uh, where a new employee is automatically enrolled once they become eligible into the plan, uh, auto escalation, which basically says once you're enrolled in the plan, uh, the amount you save is going to go up by a certain percentage each year so that as you grow in the company and continue to get raises, you're saving more and more for the future. So it's really, uh, uh, if it's well-designed, a great way for employees to build wealth and become more financially stable for the future. Yeah, absolutely. You know, all of this, however, comes down to, you know, is it the right 401k plan for that business? So we kind of want to just transition right here into explaining some of those basics of what goes into a 401k plan. Now, a 401k, that is simply the uh, the tax code where this is broken out. Um, the, the basics of a 401k plan, um, you're able to defer a certain percentage if you're an employee into the plan each year. So in 2020, that's a, a $19,500 per year of earned income you can put into the plan. Now, Mm -hmm. any income you put into a 401k plan, that has to be earned at your job. If you're over the age of 50, you also get a $6,000 catch up on top of that. So you're able to really kind of slam away quite a bit of money into that uh, 401k plan. Yeah, All 401k plans allow you to put money in and defer the tax on it. So in this case, if you're deferring 5% of your income into a 401k plan, you're not taxed in that tax year on that 5%. So it actually lowers uh, your your current uh, tax hit for that tax year. Now, mm-hmm. once the money's in the 401k plan, it's going to grow tax deferred, meaning that you don't have to worry about any of the investment gains or interest that are earned inside the 401k. And once you get to retirement and begin taking the money out of that, that's actually where, where they're going to get you on taxes. Uh, the assumption is, has been for quite some time that, uh, well, if you are in retirement, your tax bracket is probably going to be lower than when you are working, and you'll be able to take those dollars out uh, at a lower tax rate. Uh, we've seen that work out most of the times, but th- there are certain cases where that's not always true. Mm-hmm. We also have a lot of plans that are now offering the Roth 401k option. Uh, with this option, you actually have the ability to, uh, instead of deferring those, those dollars uh, and not paying the tax on it, you can pay the tax on it and then defer the money into the 401k. And that's the Roth 401k option. With that option, once the money has gone in there, it's already been taxed, it now becomes tax-free for the future. 
it starts growing tax-free. And when you get to retirement, you can begin taking that money out tax-free. So really in our mind, you know, if we're looking at the hierarchy of what type of an account you should look to get the most money into, oftentimes it is that Roth uh, IRA or 401k that we really push people to, especially younger people uh, as, as they're starting off, uh, to really try to, to try to pre-fund those, uh, those tax-free accounts. Roy, you mentioned it's great with the Roth 401k to get somebody while they're younger. When you're saying that, are you saying it's great to get somebody younger, maybe a married couple that has a couple kids because they've got a lower tax bracket um, with, with, you know, having the exemptions and so on and so forth? Because I would think that a single person starting in their career is going to be at a pretty high tax bracket at that point. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I would say for for that single person, it depends on on what they're doing and where their income limits are, are or where their income is actually falling for the year. Um, mm-hmm. I still encourage people, especially in their twenties and thirties, uh, just do the Roth option. You know, the oh, okay. tax savings over that forty year period of time. You know, unless unless you're coming out of school, a dentist or an orthopedic surgeon, um, you can probably stand to pay a little bit more in tax early on. Mm-hmm. And then just allow that that tax free account to to grow and accumulate, you know. Especially somebody starting off, that's probably the 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 least amount of money they're going to be making in their career. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we can kind of make those new decisions down the road. For a married couple, you know, that has kids uh, and are getting those those uh, those tax credits, and you know, I think it's just such a no brainer then in, in that case to really look at doing the Roth option. Because because they're able to save at at a kind of a lower uh, a tax rate there, uh, because they have so many incentives there, mm-hmm. um, it just makes sense that for uh, that married couple to try to get as much as possible into the into the Roth four hundred one k. Yeah, absolutely. No, that makes sense for sure. So the next piece of the four hundred one k that we're going to look at here is the employer match mm-hmm. um, or the employer contribution. Um, when we talk about this, an employer doesn't necessarily have to put any of their own money into a 401k. They don't have to do a match. Really? They don't have to do a contribution. Yeah. Um, now, if, if they're looking to really, I think, uh, maximize participation and really get yeah. the most out of a retirement plan, I'd probably really encourage an employer to look at doing some sort of match or contribution there. But if, if an employer does provide a match, usually um, there are some limitations there in most plans. Mm-hmm. Really, that limitation there is how much uh, is the employer going to match of the participant's contribution? And oftentimes we'll see a formula where the employer will match, let's say, 100% of the first 3% that the participant puts in. Mm-hmm. So if the participant's putting in 5%, the employer will match the first 3% but not match anything above that. Other times we'll see, you know, some sort of formula where the employer is going to match um, 50% of the first 6% that an employee is going to put into a 401k plan. So really what this looks like is the employee has to put in 6% to get a 3% match. Uh, That does help encourage uh, the employee putting in more. And it's just really how best do you structure that for kind of your population of employees of what that match should look like. The other part of all this is uh, how much are you as the business owner uh, or the executive wanting to put into the 401k plan? 
There is annual testing that happens inside of a 401k plan around the idea of discrimination. The IRS doesn't want to allow an employer to set up a 401k plan, give them this great tax incentive to defer a lot of money into a plan, but yet not provide some basic benefits to the employees. So they don't want to see uh, in a, a 401k where only the owner and the executives are putting money into the 401k plan and none of kind of the, the line employees are. So that's where we see discrimination uh, testing come in, really looking at, you know, what is the total amount of contributions each year made by the different classes of employee and also looking at, you know, how much of the 401k balances are attributable to the, the owner and the highly compensated employees versus the line employees. So that testing can kind of come in there and uh, affect an employer's decision on how best to structure this. Now, the IRS did allow uh, what they call a safe harbor there, which will get around that uh, 401k testing. The safe harbor match or contribution really basically says that if you're an employer or a plan sponsor and you do one of these two options or something that's better than that, um, you don't have to do that testing. So on the, on the safe harbor match, it's basically an agreement that you're going to match up to 4% of a uh, employee's uh, contribution into the plan. Now, oftentimes we'll see this structured as we're going to match 100% of the first 3% that employee puts in and then 50% of the, of the next 2% to get to mm -hmm. that 4% match. The other thing you can do with a uh, safe harbor is instead of doing a match, you can do a contribution. Now that contribution can just look like we're going to contribute regardless of if the participant is going to put any money into the plan. The employer is going to contribute 3% of their payroll into the participant's uh, 401k plan as a safe harbor. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes what we'll look at there is what we expect the uh, contribution level to be at uh, for that population of employees. If everyone in the 401k is contributing to the plan already, it might make sense just to do the 3% contribution to everyone mm -hmm. uh, because that'll probably save you some, some money as far as that matching formula goes if everyone's already participating. If you have a plan where not everyone participates, in that case, it might make sense to do the match and try to incentivize those people to um, put money into the plan. And mm -hmm. I, I've talked to a lot of business owners over the years that uh, are really of the opinion that if the employee isn't going to put some some of their skin in the game, they really don't want to add to an employee's retirement plan, which I think mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense. You know, there's that desire to see your employees kind of take that initiative uh, to put those funds in and begin planning for themselves. Got it. Absolutely. Uh, Royal, I have one question for you about this section that you just spoke about. You mm -hmm. ready? Yes. Can a business owner call you and ask you to explain this again? <laughs> it's, I mean, this is complicated. I, I mean, I, I'm a business owner and I'm listening mm -hmm. to you and I, I've got the gist of it, but man, there's so many options. It sounds like, and so many things just to make sure that you're careful of and so on and so forth. I'm not going to ask you any follow-up questions to explain anything else because we're pretty deep in the weeds. 
But I'm going to encourage every business owner out there that if you're thinking about this or you haven't done it, or even if you have and you want somebody to take a look at it, they got to give you a call because you're, you're talking over my head right now, Royal. I'll be honest. I mean, this is, this is fantastic stuff. Uh, but man, there's a lot to learn. And I know that that's why you're the professional. So can they call you? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Good. You know, you can always good. call us at uh, 541-772-1116 or visit our website at opfa.com. Uh, you know, we've got a lot of good resources there for plan sponsors that can kind of go over the basics of this, but Mm-hmm, Oftentimes mm-hmm. what we see just over and over again is um, kind of shoddy plan design yeah. uh, where maybe a 401k plan was set up years ago. These options weren't explained. Mm-hmm. Maybe the person who set it up just said, how much do you want to match? How much do you want to contribute? And, and they just wrote something down. Yeah. And the employer can't get kind of their maximum benefit out of the plan because every year they try to max that out and they're they're told, oh, you can't put that much in because you didn't have enough of your employees contribute. And, you know, we just see this over and over again. And it's such a simple fix. And most employers, once once they kind of gain an understanding of all these different moving parts, and we're really just scratching the surface on uh, 401k plan design here, um, it, it really starts to, to grab hold and make sense to them of, oh, okay. I can provide this benefit that will be appreciated by my employees mm-hmm. and I'm able to take full advantage of my 401k plan that, you know, I've set up, you know, partially for, for my employees, but also for myself to be able to save this money for, for my retirement down the road. Got it. Yeah, absolutely. All right. What else are we covering today? So I thought we'd talk a little bit about the investments inside of a 401k and what that would look like. Now, in most cases, when you set up a 401k plan, you're going to set it up with an investment company of some sort. You know, some of the big ones there, uh, Fidelity, Mm -hmm. Vanguard, Principal, um, there's just a lot of different types of 401k platforms out there that we can use. Um, You know, we have access to virtually all of them here at uh, Oregon Pacific. And so we have a lot of experience there of, you know, depending on what type of plan and what you're looking for. Uh, what's going to best suit your participants and you as the administrator of the plan uh, so we can make it, uh, you know, as uh, cost friendly as possible. We can make it as uh, user friendly as possible. You know, there's trade offs uh, with all of this. So once once you've kind of decided on which type of company that you want to go with, you know, we're, we're looking at what are what is the, what what is the, the participant going to see on their statement? what options are the participants going to have to invest their own money? Mm -hmm. Um, And so this brings up kind of a whole other myriad of decisions that have to be made of, you know, what types of uh, investment offerings do you want to offer to your clients? And so let's just spend some time kind of chewing over this because I think there's a lot of factors that go into this. You know, I review a lot of 401k plans and, what I see is the client will bring in their their options for what's inside of their 401k plan. And sometimes it's, well, you can you can invest in, you know, these four options and, and that's really it. Mm-hmm. I think that does a little bit of a disservice to people. On the other hand, I've also seen clients bring in a list of a hundred different mutual funds that they're able to invest in with wow. no education 
uh, mm-hmm. no guidance on what they should do. I think I think both of those are are not ideal situations for participants. Yeah. Um, you know, they've done a lot of studies as far as what's the appropriate number of investment options for you know a four hundred one k or a retirement plan, and it comes in about sixteen to twenty. Anything above that, it's just too many. There's too many choices for a participant to make. Um, yeah. I was reviewing a uh, 401k just recently, and they had, I think, three or four different small cap growth funds. I, I'm not exactly sure who that serves. You know, if you're looking to build an allocation, you know, small cap growth m- might make up probably not more than 5% of your overall portfolio. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure why you would need four funds to accomplish that. Uh, so (laughs) we do a lot of analysis of what's going to go inside of a, a, uh, retirement account, what options are going to be available there for participants. You know, I, I, we can spend a little bit of time right now talking about what's called the qualified default investment alternative, uh, or QDIA. The QDIA is, I think an important decision for a plan sponsor to understand about, uh, that is really the default. If someone decides that they don't want to make an investment decision, uh, this is what their investments are going to default into. And there really are only a, a few different types of investments that can qualify as a QDIA. Um, you know, these are, you know, balanced funds, uh, target date funds, uh, or managed, uh, managed funds, like a pooled account of some kind. Um, and we'll, we'll touch on pooled accounts. If you have a properly structured QDIA, um, an employee can't come back against the plan sponsor and say, I didn't want to be invested in this. I, I didn't know you were going to put my money into this. You spell that out in the plan document and the Department of Labor, who really oversees uh, a lot of this regulation, has basically says if, if, if you choose a QDIA, in these categories, that's going to provide you as the employer um, with some additional protections. Basically, saying you know you're not going to be found at fault if you choose a QDIA uh, that fits into these categories. Now, what's mm-hmm. interesting, the thing I didn't list on there was a money market account. For years and years before this new regulation came out, the the default investment somebody didn't make a a choice of how they wanted to be invested. Uh, oftentimes they would just select the money market account. Uh, you know, the plan sponsors would say, okay, well, we'll just ch- take the safe option. The issue with that though is, is, is there's really no money to be made in this environment in the money market account any longer. Mm-hmm. So the purpose of a retirement account is to get those funds invested. So that's why the Department of Labor really came out with the, the, these regulations saying, hey, we want this money to be invested. We want to provide plan sponsors with some protections. Uh, for for making this decision, and we want to look at um, what options are available there on the on the table. So one thing I mentioned there was target date funds. Uh, target dates are you know if you look at your four hundred one k statement, they're usually broken up in five year increments. So you might see a a twenty twenty, a twenty twenty five, twenty thirty on down the road. And for most target date funds, that's really looking at what what year are you expected to retire around? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so if you're, you know, let's say 55 years old right now, you might be looking at a 2030 fund 
as what might be appropriate, that fund will uh, adjust over time and get more conservative the closer you get to retirement. Okay. Uh, it'll always be invested in the market, but if nothing else, if you know nothing else about uh, you know your retirement account, you you don't want to kind of think about it. A target date fund is a decent option for you to look at uh, because really you're you're shifting that management off to the investment company. Uh, to kind of make those changes and get more conservative the closer you get to uh, retirement when you'll need that money. Mm -hmm. So I knew we've covered a lot today. And, and honestly, we, we haven't even really scratched the surface right now. So mm -hmm. I think what we need to do is uh, uh, throw up the to be continued sign there Got at it, the, yes. uh, the end of this podcast and probably transition this into a, a two-parter. Because I think there's a lot here to, that uh, you know plan sponsors need to know and need to understand. And I, and I don't want to rush through the rest of what we have to go through today. So yes. let's go ahead and uh, maybe pause there and uh, come back next time with uh, the second part of what you need to know as a plan sponsor for your retirement plan. That sounds fantastic. Hey, hey Royal, are you a fan of TikTok by any chance? <laughs> no. Okay, well, my wife and I. Find I, I, did, I didn't mean to put so much judgment in my voice there. <laughs> there Eric, was a lot of judgment um, there, but I'll, I'll take it, Royal. That's fine, <laughs> because it is it is kind of crazy. Uh, my wife and I enjoy it every once in a while. Just there's some funny stuff on there. The funny thing is, is that they put little videos on there, Royal, and they say like and subscribe for part two. It just drives me nuts because you're like, oh no, I'm not going to do that. But here's the thing: for all of you listening, you don't have to like and subscribe for part two. There's going to be a part two. You can just listen to it. If you want to subscribe, that'd be great because Royal puts out great information every time we get together, but there's no requirement by any means to like and subscribe for part two. It's coming up. All right. So please tune into that. Royal, thank you so much for your time today. My pleasure. My pleasure. All right. And again, to you, the listening audience, thank you so much for tuning in to the Life by Design podcast with Royal Stanley. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Royal comes out with that part two that we're all looking forward to, it'll show up directly on your listening device. You don't even have to try to find it and download it. It just shows up and says, hey, it's ready. And then you can listen. Also, this makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends, families, or business partners if you own a business and you're thinking about the 401k situation, 403b or whatever they are. I mean, there's so many letters and numbers, Royal. I know that you can clear that up on the next one as well. Thanks again for listening today. For everyone at Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Life by Design podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The views expressed are those of the presenter and may not reflect the views of United Planner Financial Services material discussed is meant to provide general information and is not to be construed as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. Individual needs vary and require consideration of your unique objectives and financial situation. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Advisory services offered through Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors, Inc. Securities offered through United Planner Financial Services of America, member FINRA and SIPC. Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors, Inc. and United Planner's Financial Services are independent companies.